0: hey folks welcome back to the dark horse podcast live stream q and a segment 205 dr brett weinstein dr heather Hyang, ready to uh answer questions
1: but not to rock or to roll
0: well i don't know i'm not
1: i'm not ready okay you can you okay go
0: (laughs) um no i think i think i need a little more a little more preparation a little more
1: preparation maybe you want someone to rock and roll with
0: exactly exactly yes yeah
1: okay uh so we have as always a discord question this week we actually have two they're both good so uh, maybe we'll do one now and then we'll finish with the other one all right yeah uh so newly minted argentinian president Millet, i actually don't know how to pronounce his name and that's a weird spelling so i don't anyway newly minted argentinian president cloned his beloved dog conan upon his death and now has five clones of him for pets. I know we and our pets are more than our genes, but it still feels weirdly necromantic to me. That's a word I was not familiar with. Thoughts? Question mark. Um, There's
0: so much
1: wrong with this. Yeah, that's There's so that, much wrong that's, with this. That's
0: way weird. Yeah. Um, and you know, if that's the extent of the weird, okay. But, um,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, clone. Uh, for one thing, for one thing, uh, this is weird a couple different ways. Yes. One, um. There's a question about whether that is honoring this animal or disrespecting this animal. I
1: agree. Um,
0: Second, wow, that has got to be an expensive process and raises questions about the judgment, especially in light of the fact that it's not like your beloved dog that you can't bear to be without is back and will be glad to see you this is a dog that has no history with you that just simply has the genes of your former dog so it will look like your former dog but Mm -hmm. personality wise it could be quite different and it's certainly not going to be familiar um having more than one of them is
1: strange. five at once yeah i feel like i've heard stories before i mean like the the cloning isn't going to be as easy they think it's not the same animal um, But what I've heard before is like in succession. Like I just can't bear ever to live without the genes of this organism. Somehow, right? But I'm gonna oh, 2.0 died. I'm gonna get 3.0 now. I'm gonna get 4.0. Like okay, it's weird, but having them simultaneous—that's e- that's even that's even
0: that's it's creepier, strange. And, and if you were going to create one of these, mm-hmm. you could breed it rather than clone it. So there's something. Yeah, but that's, um, I mean,
1: that's clearly not, uh, it, there, there's a kind of a, boy, what would it, it's like a genetic fetish. Like, it, it, it's a it's a fetishization. I mean, just just like the field of biology fetishizes genes as the thing that mm-hmm. matters, the mechanism of heritability, right? So, too, do many people fetish, like, well, I just, it needs to be the same. And I actually, where is I talking? Oh, um I was on Stephanie Win's podcast um, talking about precisely this. Like, it's the genes are necessary to make a human, but they're not sufficient. They are not sufficient. Yeah. And I think of all the other organisms out there, the next closest organism that you could say that about would be the dog, um, because uh, we have you know created them to to suit us. they've been co-evolving with us for what thirty thousand years, something like this, right? Yep. So um, it's not. Why are we simplistic and reductionist imagining "Ah, now we've got it it's the genes and that's all it is like it is the genes and that's not all it is
0: yeah now the guy has run an odd experiment because he actually now is in a position to know something about what isn't contained there which is bound to be a lot which is going to be
1: more obvious having five of them simultaneous
0: yeah so you know i would say that the desire to do away with this character um, by causing us to suspect him is so great that um,
1: you're not talking about the dogs. I are mean, we talking about the pre the guy? Yeah. Okay. The president.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's conspiracies against this dog. Well, I just um, don't
1: know this character. I don't know what are we talking about.
0: or um, however you pronounce it, but yeah, um, the desire to uh, dispense with him is is quite great, and so it is possible that um, you know, let's say that for example. You know, he he is an economist, as I understand it. Um, so some kind of a scientist. And it's possible that, you know, his grief over his dog intersected with his desire to know something about to what extent this, that, or the other. You know, if he was running an experiment, um, that interface... You think that would make it better? Yeah, I do. Um, because, uh, yeah, it would be a fascinating question to know the answer to. And while I... I wouldn't do it. Um, I can imagine a reasonable person making an argument that isn't
1: insane. I don't um, know. I almost think that makes it worse. Um, I mean, I, I think I think the question, if this is possible, people will do it and therefore we should have the answer. Um, I think because it will reveal things that will then make people less likely to do such things in the future. Uh, but that's my hypothesis going in. I have that bias going in. I have that deep skepticism of, of, of what I think will happen if we continue to do this. Um, but being embedded at an emotional level in the outcome of something that you were calling an experiment, uh, is, there's just no way for that to go well.
0: Yeah, okay, but... Um, All I'm saying is we have a picture that is painted about somebody who is inconvenient. And until I hear that person's argument for why they did it, I don't know whether or not, even if I disagree with whether they should have done it, Mm -hmm. whether or not they were behaving according to impulses that I understand versus that I think are um, an indictment. Anyway, I just, I want to know what the argument for it was.
1: I guess I've, I grant that this guy has been a rake to the coals in the press and that therefore any story about him that um, is clearly negative or clearly positive, frankly, um, should be met with suspicion because uh, we are being led to have strongly polarized feelings about him. Uh, That said, if this, as in, its, in the skeleton version of this story that we have been told here is true, I don't see a justification for it.
0: Yeah, but even if it's not justified, it, there are things that he might say. Until you've heard his side of the story, it's just not clear how to how to read it. Even if you and I, looking at uh, what this person did, think, oh, here's the argument I would have, if, you know, were we friends with this person, here's the argument I would have leveled against you doing that, um, I just, I still think, given somebody as uh, troubling to power as this person apparently is, I uh, can't really pass judgment until, until I've heard what the person was thinking.
1: All right. Should we go to darkhorsesubmissions.com, which is where you can ask questions, which I failed to say uh, before? Um, and yet, there are plenty of questions here. So, some of you already knew that. First question from darkhorsemissions.com. I read about Tylenol reducing effectiveness of vaccines. Can you elaborate and posit how this could also create a mechanism of harm reduction from the COVID vaccines? Boy, I have never heard this. I, I Have you heard this?
0: Nope. Um, something tells me I heard some glimmer of it, but I, I don't know. It is a very toxic substance, so you could imagine it disrupting all kinds of things. Um, but I certainly would not use a toxin um, to counteract the effectiveness of these vaccines. For one thing, you would have yeah. to do it quickly after you had been inoculated, and the right thing to do is just to avoid the inoculation rather than try to mitigate it with Tylenol.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't I, can't, I I'm no, no possible mechanism of action by which Tylenol, could reduce effectiveness of vaccines is coming to mind, putting aside the COVID vaccines. So um, I guess it's just very, it's very hard to know what to say without that in this case, like this, this isn't a, this isn't a theoretical question. And frankly, other vaccines and mRNA vaccines are distinct enough from one another that um, without knowing mechanism of, mechanism of action, Without knowing if the claim is true, and if it is true, what the mechanism of action is, there's no way to to globalize and say, okay, well then it would also be true over here in this in this space with a treatment that's frankly so different from a traditional vaccine that it's really not comparable by most measures. Yep. Yeah. I'd
0: be very curious if a mechanism is even known.
1: Yeah. If you are familiar with it, could you unpack Geert Vandenbusch's Grave concern about immune exhaustion. Uh and then a second question from the same person is: Your concern just for mRNA or all vaccines? I think and actually, there's no. He doesn't say is your concern. Um, is the is the? I don't know if that is the concern just for mRNA or all vaccines, uh, with regard to Van immune exhaustion thing or uh, or us. And I don't. I actually don't know what he has to say specifically about immune exhaustion. Been a while since i've yeah uh, read any of his stuff it's been it's been a little while i don't either and yeah. i would
0: want to refresh my memory on this i will say there are a bunch of mechanisms in play there's an evolutionary question about creating a huge gain of function experiment by creating lots of partially immune people um, which will cause the virus to evolve differently than it would um, same thing is true for uh, individuals who are vaccinated and encounter the virus before their immunity develops to the extent that any immunity develops at all. That was another concern. That was his argument for why we never vaccinate into the mouth of a pandemic. Um, there's a question about IgG4, which is an attenuation signal that apparently is the underlying explanation for why allergists are able to decrease certain allergies by administering the allergen that by basically continuing to inflame the very uh, overactive pathway you cause an attenuation signal to be triggered which can turn down immunity to it but also can mm. potentially turn down immunity to other things and let's see oh and then there is um, maybe that's it so um oh original antigenic sin that's the other one Mm. Um, So original antigenic sin is basically the idea that when you tell the immune system a very specific something, when you give it an antigenic uh, signal, and then you repeatedly are in the same neighborhood. In other words, if you keep inoculating for variants of COVID after you've inoculated for one initial one, you've effectively tracked the immune system into a narrow response and whereas the immune system has a certain amount of what amounts to creativity that it can exert it loses the ability to act creatively you know i can pick up a uh, a bad habit effectively and not be able to escape it because you keep reminding it and so it gets just narrowly focused on that one response so Mm -hmm. um there is also i think a question about how many triggerings of the immune system uh, causes the depletion of certain could be cell types or something narrower than that, and uh, I don't know how much is known about that. But it's always been a And that's about, what
1: immune exhaustion sounds like. But uh, but the I question guess, is again, like, what exact what exactly is going to be exhausted?
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah.
1: I don't know either. Apologies. I've been watching for a couple of years, but rarely get to catch you live. Just wanted to say thanks for the sanity checks. The government-issued ones keep bouncing. Wow. Nice. Nice. Thank you.
0: Beat me to it.
1: Thank you, Michael. Really? You were about to say that?
0: I was formulating what you do with sanity
1: checks. He did it. Um,
0: yeah, Yeah, he did it.
1: Good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, punned. Yep. Yeah. Oh, boy. Is 2024 the year that civilization ends? I've been getting really bad vibes.
0: Um, let's just put it this way. A lot of people have. They have uh, set us up for a uh, a major clusterfuck of some kind with the presidential election, um, a stable situation in the Middle East, Uh, there's almost no way that this could go right unless we decide what it is that we want, which I think is obvious, and decide to pursue it in spite of whatever they're going to throw at us to make us hate each other.
1: You know what I think we need? Tell me. Well, you, as longtime listeners and viewers will know, are a big fan of the subreddit, What Could Go Wrong.
0: Oh, yes. You
1: invoke it all
0: the time. Yes, I do.
1: Under the most apropos and sometimes unapropos circumstances
0: that's something that can go wrong
1: yeah why not a subreddit what could go right when things feel like they couldn't possibly go right and people pull it out and you know they just they they make it work i feel like everyone could use a lot of what could go right at this point
0: well you will be glad to know that on the one i'm could already go not ro- glad no <laughs> i i look i i owe my uh my uh my my fellow bros on the what could go wrong subreddit a shout out here because when something appears to be going very very wrong Mm -hmm. and it ends up kind of okay the person rescues it yeah yeah um somebody will respond with no what could go right um so that that is absolutely there there's also i think
1: as a like a it's like a poor step-sibling
0: no, no, no. It is a recognition that when things are going wrong, uh, sometimes somebody somebody pulls it out. They figure out uh, how, to, how to rescue the thing. And, mm-hmm. and those are some of the best lessons on the What Could Go Wrong subreddit. Um, there is also two subreddits that you should know about. Mm. There's okay. the um, uh, yes, 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 no subreddit. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, when somebody is about to save the day and yeah. it doesn't work, and because then there's also, they bail out or no because something
1: it's just the same thing then isn't it
0: and then there's a well some of these things get cross-posted <laughs> no, but um then there's also a no 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 yes right okay where that sounds like what go, could go right yes that is what that's could what go could right, go right yep
1: okay yep okay Zach do you have something to offer
0: I think you got everywhere I was going to go in the end I was just going to suggest that I was going to get to where you were saying about what could go right there are a lot of you know Hold my beer events that don't result in anyone dying through no responsibility of the people involved. And is in the them.
1: beer returned to the savior at the end?
0: It's a figurative beer, oh. but something, but usually literal in some sense. <laughs> but I would just, I would point out. So for those who are listening to this, thinking why is Brett paying attention to some insufferable subreddit? It is not an insufferable subreddit. Dude, They're,
1: if I let me let me, I'm gonna interrupt you here. If yeah. I thought that, I would not bring it up here and poke poke fun at you yeah like, I, 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 because I, I do clearly it does have value
0: and, and i will yeah. tell you there is another subreddit um hell
1: no I, hell no hell no
0: i can't remember what it is there's a subreddit in which it's just non-stop um and it's not catastrophic failure catastrophic failure is a pretty good subreddit but um no th-
1: the, what, what's the, there's a about?
0: subreddit that's sort of like what could go wrong but it always ends in death or something. Oh. I pay no attention to it um, because it's not, it's not useful. But what could go wrong is actually, my argument is it is a tremendous learning tool that there are mistakes. There's some, some stuff on there that's just one off. Um, but there are lots of things on there where there's a pattern of people making the same damn error so frequently that you can learn that there's some behavior that's just insane that people don't realize is insane until it's too late. Like, for example, flaming drink. I was just
1: going to say, like, you, you you, kept on instructing our wonderful friend and host for the last week um, that, okay, Putting together amazing cocktails is all well and good, but don't go into flaming it's drink territory. It's just not worth, worth it. it. Flaming yeah. drinks. Not, and he didn't. Right. Like it wasn't, no, but it, you were just like preemptively like, flaming don't Flaming drinks
0: do it. are okay. a, a never, right? Yeah. No flaming drinks. It's, it's as bad as using gasoline to start or augment um, a bonfire, right? Mm-hmm. These, these are just things that go wrong every time. Also, doing a backflip off a small floating object, terrible, terrible idea.
1: Even if it's an inflatable object?
0: Any object that is going to respond to your pushing off of it by moving (laughs) is a bad choice. Um, Anyway, there are are lots of drifting is insane. And going to view people drifting is also insane. If you want to view people drifting, do it on the frickin' internet. Um, it's not worth being there when the car careens into So a- you
1: know we're live right now, right? You're not actually just talking to your son. Oh, well, I'm
0: hoping he'll hear me. but <laughs> um, But anyway, the point is the What Could Go Wrong subreddit teaches you a tremendous amount about the world that you do yep. not want to learn personally. You just okay. don't.
1: Does your interest in the subreddit coincide with your discovery of your gluten insensitivity such that you could no longer say, hold my beer and have these experiences yourself because you never had beer anymore?
0: Wow. No, I don't think so, Mm -hmm. though it's, uh, you know, you do get credit for the creativity on the connection between those things, which I think have no connection. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I just think that um, you, look, let's put it this way. There are a lot of things that you should, you can really only learn by doing it yourself. And then there are some other things that you should definitely learn by watching other people who have foolishly allowed themselves to be filmed while doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what the, what could go wrong subreddit is all about.
1: All right, Zach uh, drifter extraordinary has something to (laughs) offer here.
0: Uh, I don't, I don't know that it's necessary to do it here. He, he knows that I'm not a fan of that point about drifting and I've been to car meets and such and, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that we should get into this, but okay. you've been to a car meet. as I told you, you shouldn't go, and then somebody almost drifted India. So that's well, something did. you could have learned Didn't was happen. a risk, but anyway.
1: Okay. On to something lighter. Anti-Semitism.
0: Okay. Oh, there it is.
1: Great. Um, dopamine increases phobias, uh, such as xenophobia, and social dominance. Dopamine increases phobias... Xenophobia and social dominance leading to polarization and hate for elites is anti-Semitism their combined effect.
0: So the
1: question
0: is, is anti-Semitism
1: due to an uptick in dopamine?
0: Does dopamine Mm -hmm. produce mean dopes? And I like it. It's a viable hypothesis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, let me, let me, let me give you a slightly more serious response. It's not bad. Um, I think that anti-Semitism is the result of game theory that is unfavorable in bad times to a diaspora population that tends to succeed as a diaspora population. That is to say, a population that does manage to thrive even against um, bad odds and cannot defend itself if... The majority population turns on it so is dopamine involved yes but i don't think this is a i don't think a chemical explanation is the ultimate explanation here it may be a proximate explanation so something
1: like that yep um oh it's from the same person i don't think this is a related question um but it uses some of the same syntax. Dispersal leads to decreased inbreeding. Yes. Population cycles. It's it's written abbreviatedly. I think the question is, are population cycles a metapopulation dispersal mechanism? So I don't, population cycles is this concept that's used in sort of colloquial space um that doesn't have the same kind of meaning over in ecology and evolution space and I'm never quite sure what people mean when they invoke it because sometimes it means something that's kind of real and often it doesn't. Um, but metapopulation dispersal mechanism isn't generally going to work for sort of group selectionist reasons-ish. But more to the point, I think, um usually not so much as a human species as a whole, but for individual cultures and certainly in other species, uh, you have either uh, female philopatry and male dispersal in which at the point of, you know, sort of the average age of first reproduction, uh, one of the sexes disperses. Um, either, you know, if you have uh, male dispersal in some species like lions say, you'll end up with these like bachelor groups roaming around looking for opportunities. Um, and in human populations, um, whether it's male dispersal or female dispersal, generally it's uh at the point of, of marriage, and so uh, in a like a female philopatric society, um, girls stay in their natal village, and um, boys, men, when they marry, go and live in their wives' natal village, and of course, the inverse is true in um, in a male philopatric situation so um, those rules those um, long established both cultural and anthropological rules and ethological rules that is in in animals not us that have social systems um, is going to be one of the main ways that uh, inbreeding is avoided in social groups when one one of the sexes tends to move and um, and breed outside of the group um, that they were born into
0: All right, I'm going to uh, add a couple things. I do believe that
1: those mechanisms evolve for exactly the reason that you're pointing
0: to. Um, There are other mechanisms. Uh, The Westermark effect is a repulsion that individuals raised together have for each other sexually so that um, siblings don't end up uh, breeding, which then raises a question. It's sexual repulsion. I think I that but if i didn't okay. yes that's what yes um so think about what happens when a population doesn't live by the standard rules then and siblings end up not knowing each other right that mm. introduces the danger that the mark effect will not have its needed uh, impact and that siblings may uh, fail to be repelled because they may not even know their siblings um, or even if they do, they I would hope that they avoided it knowing, but um, not knowing is certainly a hazard. But then also consider yep. in a world where surrogacy um, and distant adoption uh, is going to be met with online mechanisms for partnering, there's all kinds of danger that people who have no idea who they're supposed to be avoiding are going to swipe right and end yeah. up uh, reproducing with the wrong folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I don't think anybody's put much thought into into this. Obviously, there's lots of room for, for bad stuff. And it's not like that stuff is new, right? Um, guys producing uh, offspring that their other families don't know about creates that same hazard. Um, but presumably, at least in a culture where fathers stick around, the father would be in some position to, uh, to warn somebody who was going to breed with a sibling, but, or at least if that was a possibility. But in any way, yep. in any case, we are dealing with a world of novel reproductive phenomena that create dangers that were solved by selection in a simpler world.
1: Very good. Okay. Three part question from echo here, beginning with read first spoiler question mark. Okay. Missing piece question mark. Polygyny produces disaffected men who can turn against dominant men or be instrumentalized for war. Yep. Did obligate homosexuality evolve as a proportional hedge against male civil unrest inside a lineage when resource stressed? allowing its population to grow, those not evolving or retaining it being outcompeted?
0: Um, I'm going to say I don't think that's um, it exactly. I know you're very interested in this question, and I'm, again, going to hold off because at the point I answer this question, I want to do it in a complete way with the, all the appropriate evidence. I don't want to toss it off in a QA and a a half assed form.
1: All right. Um, what are the limitations to the metaphorical truth of an afterlife? What can usually, what can usefully replace the concept of God or afterlife to gain the positives and limit the negatives? Oh, and then he says, pick one question to answer.
0: Could you could you read the beginning of that question? Okay, so
1: it's two different questions. Um, we can pick one or try to go after both. What are the limitations to the metaphorical truth of an afterlife? And what can usefully replace the concept of God or afterlife to gain the positives and limit the negatives?
0: Um, and I sort of, uh, there's a reason there; those are paired. Yeah, I think the limitation on the metaphorical truth is simply that it will run into skepticism and increasingly much skepticism as you get more scientifically sophisticated. And so the point is the afterlife's effect on people's behavior depends on, you know, fear of a lake of fire. And if you don't really fear the lake of fire because you believe the lake of fire is a metaphor, it's not as effective. So what you don't want is a asymmetric advantage to disbelievers.
1: I guess it also depends, its efficacy depends on the particular standards um under which it is invoked so um, i am not familiar enough with various religious traditions to know uh you know under what conditions you get into the afterlife in various religious traditions but um if you have to continue to strive and be good and you know work towards common good and and such in order to get into the afterlife that would seem to be um, a good motivating force that still runs to the problem that you identify, Brett. But if, um, as it seems to me, but again, I can't name the traditions, um, your religion effectively informs you that if, you know, all you need for proof that you are already in good stead with God is that you are wealthy, for instance, uh, then, uh, those who are wealthy, um, already know they're going to the good place later and do not need to continue to um behave appropriately. I don't know if that is written into any scripture or if that is just an obvious misreading that uh rich people have used to justify behaving badly on earth uh in some cases but that that is certainly true that's that there have been um stories of people going like well I I I know that because you know because I am successful this is just like this this Juvenile misreading of Darwin, right? Um, survival of the fittest, well, I must be fittest because I'm wealthiest and therefore I'm doing just fine, uh, is uh, is not good for society or, frankly, for the individual.
0: Well, but I think, I mean, there are lots of uh, corruption protections built into these traditions. And obviously, maybe I missed a step, but obviously in the Christian tradition. The wickedness that accompanies wealth is part of the story. So if you accept the the afterlife, if you accept the whole package, it should prevent you from having that thought. Um, but again, the problem is, to the extent that people shed their fear of the afterlife and the lake of fire, and they get an advantage in the here and now for doing so, um, that. Incentivizes the the breaking of the of the adaptation that it was.
1: With regard to the second question, what can usefully replace the concept of God and afterlife to gain the positives and limit the negatives? It is noteworthy, and we have been noting it. I don't know that we have done so on air. Um, that there seems to be an uptick in religiosity, even among those who have. Famously, previously declared themselves to be atheists. I and her C.L.E. being um, the most famous recent case. Although, if you read her words, if you actually read her words, it seems like she's interested in the, uh, the morals and ethics of Christianity um, and does not necessarily uh, ascribe to the metaphysical components of it. It's not clear. I don't know, but um, it's not it's not at all clear that she's actually had a sort of coming to Jesus moment as she as she claims. Um, but it does seem that the chaos of modernity, the sort of rapidly increasing chaos of in modernity, is sending people who had been living secular lives uh, back into the arms of, of a religion. And it leaves those of us who remain secular, but who understand the value of religion wondering precisely this. And you know I, I've, I've, I've heard from friends, that they would like to believe, but they can't. That it feels like it would be um, a relief. That it feels like it would um, help with with the angst of modern life. I don't think I have had that thought. I don't. I. I do not think that that is where I am at all. I have not wished to have faith. I'm sometimes accused of that, um, but that seems to me to be a misunderstanding of what it is. Uh, to just be where you are seeing what you do in the universe. Um, I don't know what replaces it because I have not had the belief. And so I, I, I wonder if people who have had the transition might be particularly well positioned to describe what it is that has replaced their faith for them. Uh, in in a in a positive way, in a way that continues to allow them to um, recognize morality and 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 ethics as uh, necessary to their pursuit of a good life.
0: I would challenge a couple things there. One, um, much of what we talk about about how dire the situation is down here on Earth as a result of bad game theory that has fostered everything that needs to function and turned it into a racket. Um, It would be marvelous if there was somebody out there who was actually on the right side and had disproportionate power. And it would be really good if the people who, for example, don't give a crap that they are causing the sudden death of people who are necessary to their families, creating tremendous trauma for children, Killing children with bad pharma and all of that—it'd um, be—it'd be lovely if that actually did have a negative consequence
1: later know. on. Yep.
0: Right. If yep. If, it, if it didn't just result in in uh, you know yachts and mansions or whatever whatever it is. Um. So you know, at some level, I think one has to abstractly wish that there was some you know thumb on the scales of the universe that uh, actually did benefit those who were decent and punish those who weren't um also be lovely to uh meet up again with those who are gone yeah um so you know it's also hard not to root for it at that level um but the other thing is i do think we know what places uh faith to the extent that something might have to because the game theory you don't want atheists to have an advantage you don't want ruthless atheists to have an advantage that they get by escaping um, the, the metaphorical truths. And what replaces it is a thoroughly mature um, love of that which is lovable. And that only arises as the result of a proper developmental environment that allows somebody to fully mature um and the point is you should take great pleasure in the well-being of your relatives and descendants even after you're gone you should have the thought that that is delightful and it should It should reward you while you are alive such that it motivates you to behave, to make sure that it is true. And if you have that, then you really don't need a metaphorical truth to stand in. What the metaphorical truth does is it takes that ultimate um, structure and encodes it in approximate structure, right? A fear of punishment stands in for your actually... Desiring to enable, embolden, uh, make more robust your descendants even after you're gone. So, um, you know. So, I mean, I think I think the whole structure is there. You have the you can tune in to the ultimate reality, and that ultimate reality can drive you to behave as if you adhered to the metaphorical truth it's very hard to tap into that ultimate reality. So the metaphorical truth makes this a simple process. But the the, the um, proximate metaphorical truth suffers from a loophole, which is that non-believers gain a short-term advantage that they would be forbidden if they were actually tapped into the long-term ultimate explanation. But they ain't, um, so...
1: Let's just do a couple more here, and then go back to that last one from Discord. All right. And then call it a call it a day.
0: We can call it a year at this point.
1: You know, we're coming back on New Year's Eve. Oh, can't quite call it a year.
0: Can't, can't quite.
1: It? Can't quite. Any advice for folks with allergies to dust mites and molds and the like? So that's unfortunately a giant, giant question. Um. We've been talking about how much uptick in mold allergies we are hearing about from friends and acquaintances it seems to be everywhere now yep and um, there are a number of possible so you I can asking for advice but um, you know it's it's possible that um, more and more people living in substandard places in substandard buildings, uh, that don't have perfect dehumidification, uh, and uh, it, but the climate is hot and humid means that there's just more mold in these build, in buildings that people are living in, so that there are more there's more mold toxicity now. It's also possible that we are doing something, uh, like I don't know, increasing by an order of magnitude the childhood vaccine schedule, uh, such that uh, humans are much more likely to be allergic to things that they run into. Um, later on if they were exposed at the same moment that they got one of their bajillions of vaccines when they were tiny. Uh, So both of those things are probably contributing to an uptick uh, in allergies to things like molds, at least, and uh, the latter is um, presumably uh, involved um, in an increase in allergies to things like dust mites, but also all of these things, like food allergies and seasonal allergies and, you know, everything.
0: Yeah, there's another one that belongs on your list. I don't another
1: reason for an uptick. Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: actually think um, that it's the quality of the structures. There's one way in which I could see, if I had to make an argument for quality of the structures, I would say, um, you know, sealing. Just as we have made light bulbs very efficient at illuminating things um, for fear of carbon waste. Um, but we have made them evil at doing all of the other things that normal uh, modes of lighting would do. We've also made buildings incredibly energy efficient, and we've done that by arresting their ability to breathe the way they once did.
1: Right, but I know I just I know several anecdotes in which drywall and punk board and you know these these amalgams of of glues and such. Uh, were actually harboring a ton of mold, and it wasn't visible.
0: Yeah, but the question is, how much of this is new? You know, you've got Tyvek, which I don't remember exactly when it showed up, but, you know, yeah. we started wrapping buildings in this stuff, and they're, you know, if you focus on one thing, if you focus on their energy efficientness, um, then it's a positive thing. But but the breathing of buildings had a um, had positive effects that we now have created issues with but nonetheless i think the ubiquity of these sensitivities when the fact is buildings existed in every quality um for quite some time suggests that it's not the buildings um so i do think Um, The adjuvants, of course, as you point to, is highly likely that we are doing something to aggravate immune systems for one purpose, and it would not be at at all surprising if that aggravation caused them to react to all sorts of things that were in our environment the entire time. But the third possibility, which I believe belongs on the list, I, I don't believe it to be likely, but it is also possible that something has dispersed. So, for example whatever the source of OSB is, this now ubiquitous building material that's somewhere between uh, plywood and particle board, you know, it uses these big fibers, right? It comes from somewhere and it might be that we are facing a different kind of mold than was true 40 years ago and that that You know, that there's a kind of mold that people are tolerant to elsewhere that we're not tolerant to here or vice versa. It Um, jumped
1: an ocean that it couldn't have jumped on its own, but it jumped it on a ship.
0: Yeah. Again,
1: would I bet on it?
0: No, I would bet against it. But in terms of possible hypotheses, um, I think it it has to be there. Um, But I I think the messing with the immune system is almost sure.
1: But I mean, there's another there's another thing we haven't gotten to the actual question yet, um, which is perhaps we were being exposed to all sorts of these things before mold spores, let's just say fungal spores, um, but we were able to deal with them better. And so that that one one response there is okay. Are you allergic or not? But I don't know that allergic or not is actually a binary question inherently. Um, that you can have <clears throat> um, lower levels of reaction that. Okay, now, um, and I, you know, I I disagree. I I think that the buildings do have something to do with it. Whereas apparently, and you know, this may be something like with um, autism where like, well, now that we're measuring it a lot, a lot, a lot, we just are seeing a lot more. Um, But whereas you might've found three known to be toxic to humans species of mold spores in a building that someone was living in who was having a mold toxicity response in the seventies or eighties. Now you have 20. So you know what is that difference about? Is that about just improvements in measurement techniques, or is it that there's actually more species of mold spores? And then if there's if there are more species of mold spores, is that about maybe they're being dispersed across oceans on boats? Is it that uh, you know I don't I don't even know what else it might be. You know, natural changes in the ecology of mold. I don't know. That seems unlikely. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, I want to I want to defend the idea of a binary. That is the result of a
1: binary that is you're allergic or you are not
0: yeah okay here's the picture as i see it vaccine manufacturers had a problem which was that they had a technology they liked which is to give you a dead or broken apart pathogen to get you to develop an immunity to it but it did not work and the reason it did not work is that the body is very good at sorting between antigens that are not part of an attack and antigens that are. Mm -hmm. So to solve that, they added adjuvants, which cause the body to overreact to an environmental exposure that is antigenic as if it were a pathogen. That is the allergy. That is exactly what is happening with these molds. In other words and pollen and everything else. You're supposed to be able to breathe in a lung full of pollen and not react to it, right? It is debilitating to have your lungs fill up with goo and white blood cells and all of this. You're supposed to be sorting this exact boundary and pharma sought to override that exact sort because they wanted to create a reaction to their inert inoculant. So the point is, they did this thing over here, mm-hmm. and I've never once heard an explanation for why they're adjuvanting and causing a sufficient reaction to generate an immunity to a, a dead pathogen, why that shouldn't cause an immunity to lots of things you're not supposed to be immune to, like pollen or mold spores. Right. So given that this was exactly the piece of physiology that they sought to override, and we now have lots of people who have reactions to their buildings where you're not supposed to react to your building. How long have buildings been full of antigens um, that you're not supposed to react to? Since there have been buildings. Yeah. So true. they sought the game, this exact thing. Yeah. And now we're pretending like that isn't the obvious explanation for why we're now allergic to all things, sorts of things we shouldn't be allergic to.
1: So anecdotally, it feels like, just my own personal experience is, I didn't have any allergies. I got lucky. But as I age, at the point that you and you did have seasonal allergies and mm-hmm. a lot of them, and it's actually better for you yep. now, much, especially since being off gluten. Yep. Oh yeah. But i f I've I still don't I still don't have much, but I have more of a reaction at the point that you may be or other people around me, let's take you out of the situation. Like if if other people are like, oh yeah, sorry, I'm not sick, I'm just dripping because I'm having it because the such and such is flowering. Mm-hmm. I think that I have a little bit of a reaction now that I didn't before. So what is the explanation? I, I hear you about, no, you're either allergic or you're not. But within the allergic category, there is a, mm, um, an hour. analog um, slider of like, to what degree does your body send you messages about um, how drippy you need to be, right? Like how, how much you're responding. Uh, and then that's, that's gonna read as it's non-binary, whereas it may be like allergic, you know, not allergic or allergic, but within allergic, there's a whole suite of, there's a whole range of ways that that manifests. Yeah,
0: there is certainly, there certainly is. So there's a threshold, you know, properly not reacting, yeah. and then within reacting, there is a spectrum. Um, and there's a question, you know, obviously you, as a result of um, traveling, did get inoculated a bunch as an adult. For
1: various things and
0: so you mean you mean
1: uh pharmaceutically inoculated right because i also i mean i also just ran into a bunch of stuff while traveling that was probably good for me sure right
0: um but the question is uh how many of these things that you're experiencing later in life really isn't about it being later in life it's Mm. just you kept rolling the dice with vaccines
1: and yep sooner yeah much more so than most adults yeah yeah um Mm -hmm.
0: so i don't know i don't know but um i would say there is no difference as far as my understanding of immunology goes there's no difference between the overreaction that pharma counts as positive that they sought to create and the yeah. overreaction that's obviously negative that we are now mysteriously experiencing to all sorts of things that our ancestors were able to not react to yeah right there's a tremendous amount of evolution in not reacting to stuff that's common in your environment. I mean, a, a sneezy hunter gatherer has a problem, mm-hmm. right?
1: <laughs> you scared the zebra off again. Ted, <laughs>
0: for fuck's sake. <laughs> you go over there <laughs> Could and drink. We'll get the zebra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, I think that was a great conversation, and we totally failed to address the question. The question, oh, yeah. as a reminder, was any advice for folks with allergies to dust mites and molds and the like? Uh, and this is again not going to be advice, but I will say I feel you. Like you know, we don't we don't have this. Um, but um, a very dear friend of mine, and then um, another acquaintance, whom we know and have heard the stories to some degree, have been um, you know in both of their cases they've moved states, they've moved houses, they've burned bedding, they've gotten rid of everything soft in their lives, um, and it wasn't actually wasn't dust mites in both of these cases. It's, it was mold. Um, yeah, uh, and it just feels endless. And like the body is now on high alert and there's almost nothing you can do after some point, um, to get it to stop responding for long enough, uh, to then get it to reset to some normal level. So I, I know that this can be an excruciating problem for people. Um, and I think, you know, some of, some of what I've just said, you know, has mitigated some of the problems. Um, but depending on how, how bad it is for you, it could be a nearly impossible problem to solve but um i think some of what has to happen uh is actually truly <clears throat> getting rid of everything soft that you own in some cases and moving houses and making sure that you have full mitigation in that house uh and with the know, mold with the mold yeah
0: um i will just tell you anecdotally speaking okay my sense is there's a lot of mold I think the mold was always there. The reaction to it is what it is. And to the extent that your immune system has been induced to react to it, there's probably not a whole lot you can do about that. An allergist might be able to get you to the IgG4 attenuation signal, but to the extent that we have not heard that being done for our friends who have this terrible affliction, uh, maybe it's just not possible. The thing that I, I wanted to point to, though, is... I was told I had a terrible dust mite allergy. That that was the reason that I had asthma. Turns out it was gluten. No, not gluten. It was wheat. Mm-hmm. Right? I avoid wheat by saying, "Do you have something without gluten?" It turns out it's probably not gluten for me at all. It's just something in wheat.
1: That's, but it's more than wheat. It's oats too. Oats as well. Yeah.
0: But even um, gluten-free oats. Even anyway. gluten-free oats. Yeah. Um, but the point is, I wouldn't accept simple answers like you have a dust mite problem. I think I reacted to a skin test that said I had a dust mite problem. I went and through- we went to
1: all sorts of great lengths. I mean, we covered mattresses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, we did, did mean, all that. I mean, uh... I think, frankly, you were being told, oh, it's this, oh, it's this. And, and frankly, at the point that they got to cats, you're like, no, wait a minute. Like, I'm not... It's one thing to cover my bed with an expensive dust mite cover, but I'm not getting rid of my beloved animals yeah. because you came up with yet another answer that's probably not true.
0: But even that, my recollection is that when we had two cats and those cats died we didn't replace them right away to see whether my asthma went away and it didn't um so it was like one more thing where it's like okay a proper scientific orientation allows you to falsify this it wasn't the dust mites it wasn't the cats right Mm -hmm. what did it it was the wheat which i didn't learn about through my allergist Yep, i learned about that because people on the internet were discussing the fact that some of them had had this problem and they'd cured it by avoiding wheat, which frankly, when I read it, I thought, no way, that's not gonna be it. I don't believe it. I'm not even sure I believe in gluten allergies. Yeah. Right. But given everything else I've done, I've replaced a heating system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, we got rid of forced air heat and replaced it with hydronic, which was lovely, but didn't have any positive effect on the targeted problem. And it
1: cost us a lot of money. Yeah, it was
0: expensive. <laughs> yeah. um, So, at the point that I had tried everything else, it was worth just ticking this one off so that I could move on to the next potential explanation. So, A, one thing is, until you've solved your problem, keep thinking about what pattern you might actually be facing that you haven't spotted yet, because- So, just
1: to say that more simply, until you solve your problem, question the diagnosis.
0: Right, question the diagnosis, right? You clearly have an allergy to what? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. And what mitigates it? maybe you have to do something and you'll discover some pattern that nobody thought to mention to you. Um, And I will tell you, I've had that experience a number of times on a number of different topics where um, the medical advice just wasn't any good. And then there's also, um, you know, for example, we had a terrible situation uh, in the family where two years in a row Something happened to our tongues, and we thought it was a virus. It was so—I can't emphasize how, with all the nerves in your tongue, when you have some sort of a tongue malady, it is really unpleasant and impossible to think about anything else. You know what it turned out to be? We were making pesto at the same time of year every year, and we were buying large quantities of pine nuts at Costco. And those pine nuts um, apparently go rancid.
1: They were the from China. The so they were, they were not super fresh because they'd come across on boats. And
0: and they were rancid. And this was a known phenomenon, but our doctors didn't know about it. Um, and so anyway, we didn't even stop making pesto. We just swapped in walnuts for pine nuts. And the problem went away. We didn't encounter it again. So, you That's know, right. it's the, you have no idea and what much, was it?
1: It, it, it? We were positive for, it was the Coxsackie virus. Yeah, we which thought is it this, might be, yeah. right,
0: which it just absolutely, I mean, the, at yeah. the point it came back at the same-,
1: same During basil season.
0: <laughs> during, right, during basil season. But, you know, it was weird because we had actually traveled to the San Juan Islands two years in a row, but I think we'd been on different islands. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and we were like, what What just happened, right? It was in, is there something in the water, right? We couldn't figure it out, decided it had to be a, uh, a virus, didn't behave like a virus, and then it turned out to be the pine nuts, which is actually a known phenomenon. So um, paying attention to patterns, having a falsificationist approach um, to explanations does eventually get you to a place where actually you can uh, radically upgrade your life sometimes.
1: Any opinion on news that hatchery programs harm wild salmon recovery efforts? I don't know that this I didn't know this was news. I thought we I thought we'd knew this for a while. Um, How could it not be so? Yeah. Um I guess I do, I might have to be reminded of exactly what the hatchery programs are doing. I mean they're just like they're 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 growing salmon and then releasing them, right?
0: They're growing salmon in
1: They're not they're not just they're not just harvesting salmon that they've grown for food. They're rele- they're releasing some, Yeah. Oh, they yeah. release
0: them and then, so, and then so you're if, supposed to of course
1: it's gonna harm wild salmon recovery efforts.
0: Yeah, it has all kinds of potential uh impacts, including um confusing selections capacity to solve the problem itself. Right. And by and large.
1: But you've got I mean, you've got all these domesticated salmon out there being like burbling about being confused dumb salmon and they run into one of the wise salmon who actually had to do the trip themselves and
0: well i mean i'm not i think the reason that might not be such a big deal is that if you harvest some eggs from a salmon headed upstream,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and then you
1: is that how hatchery salmon are created yes
0: and mm-hmm. then yeah i've actually seen that where have i seen it somewhere i was on a tour it was
1: somewhere off the columbia probably yeah definitely
0: yeah. um so you harvest those things and you fertilize them which is not easy because the eggs have a shut off they're only um viable for... viable for it's like seconds actually
1: Oof, really um,
0: it's like 30 seconds i think a- yeah. ap-
1: after being outside the female's body something like that
0: i'm trying to remember the, what oh. the story is but it's interesting i don't know why they should have a shut off evolutionarily that strikes me as odd but they do. Well, it
1: allows it's probably greater female choice, right? Because you exactly. do because you do have those jacks and you know and other you know competitor males kind of sweet you know, anytime you've got external fertilization, female choice is a little dicier because all the other guy has to do is get his sperm close enough. So
0: Yep. I had that exact thought. On the other hand, though, from mm-hmm. the point of view of a female who has loaded an egg with resources, at the point, so let's say she puts the eggs in the red, she mates with whatever male she has chosen and some other male sneaks in the question is by shutting off the egg whatever resources in it isn't it better to make some baby rather than no baby so anyway there's there's something in the story that i don't i don't get yet but in any case your point about sexual selection um is important because how is it that the salmon figure out how to operate their watershed right, right through selection of and many kinds and if
1: they've had to go down then they know more about how to go up and it and and they're just running into a bunch of doofy salmon who didn't have to do the downstream voyage. Right, well, they may... But again, I, I just... But I, I can't I, really tell that story because I don't know exactly what I happens with the hatchery think they may programs. even
0: take the hatchery fish and put them upstream so that they do get the correct message going oh. downstream. Okay. So anyway, you know, it's like a formally reasonable response in a complex system where they couldn't possibly know enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I would say the right thing is to allow nature to do what it does. Getting out of nature's way is a great idea. And if you can create a habitat that's robust, which means all sorts of things like, you know, protecting the animals from um, fishermen and all of that, if you can create a habitat that's robust, then the selection will figure out how to reinvade it because of course that's how all the watersheds got salmon in them in the first place. Right. Um, So
1: like that. Okay, let's do one, uh, the, the second, Discord sent us two questions this week, and they always say, you know, it's a tie, choose one, but the second one is interesting too, so let's go ahead and read that one. Hypothesis. Research into psilocybin is being openly flowed to pharma for profit. The decision to isolate a single compound from mushrooms and tested in isolation will be used to justify control and profit. The scientific community has followed along gratefully. And it will be judged alongside other pharma drugs without the natural occurrence and adjacent compounds being understood. Is the fix in?
0: Yep. And not only that, it's not, I think there are two big problems. One of them is the isolation of the one target compound from all of the other stuff that might make it work. The other is the medicalization of the whole phenomenon. And it's not that I don't want uh, medicos, I don't, you know, not just uh, allopatric doctors, but it's not that I don't yeah. want medical science to have access to this tool, of course right. it should, right. but I don't want the idea, that, oh, that this is a medicine. You know, what we need with medicines, we need to limit who can prescribe them and we only give oh, them well, to right. people, you know, <laughs> who this, that, and the other who need them, right? And the answer is no, I actually think there's a question about whether or not you should go spend a sunny afternoon uh, sitting by a stream mm-hmm. having taken uh, mushrooms about which you can't fully control their impact. You know, I think there's, and I'm not arguing that you should do this, but I'm asking if you should not have the right to make the decision that at this moment, actually, I think that's a good idea to do, that maybe, you know, this afternoon, I should take, um, you know, a light dose and I should go hike. That's right. On some other afternoon, maybe you want to take what they call a heroic dose and have a confrontation with uh, some broken part of your psyche that you think it might help, mm-hmm. right? I. That's not a fundamentally medical question. That's a fundamentally human question. And so I don't like the idea of any industry capturing this yeah. because I do think there's something sacred about your right to encounter um, a compound that selection produced in a mushroom that human beings have been leveraging for various purposes for certainly many thousands of years, probably tens of thousands of years. It does not make sense to treat that as a technological phenomenon.
1: So I have an um, apropos excuse me, <clears throat> story from um, something I wrote in Natural Selections this year. This piece, you can show my screen if you like, Zach, that I called Fish, Fishy, and Fish Adjacent. Why eat like an Inuit when you can pop a pill? Uh, And it's about, well, I'm just going to read a a tiny section here. The first paragraph, um, the first two paragraphs, and then the part that's relevant to what we're talking about here is down below. In 1913, the people living on the northwest coast of Greenland were described as probably the most exquisitely carnivorous people on earth. They subsisted almost entirely on the meat of whales, seals, seabirds, and fish, of which the dominant species were halibut, capelin, and salmon. They ate almost no carbohydrates at all, and yet they thrived. More than half a century later, in 1971, researchers found that these same people had extremely low levels of heart disease and no diabetes at all. Rather than engaging in collective hand-wringing about how people with such awful diets could possibly be so hale and hearty, the health of these exquisitely carnivorous people was attributed to just one part of their diet, fish. And so was born a new dietary trend. And we talked about this. We talked about this on Dark as I remember, because we're like, well, they weren't exactly gonna start recommending that we all eat seabirds, right? <laughs> or whales, or seals, who just weren't gonna get very far with that. So they went with fish and the fish that we already ate. And so um, you then had this craze for fish oil, and then shortly thereafter, or not not that shortly thereafter, um, there's this new product that shows up. And you can show my screen again. This is um, Veskipa. Uh, I don't know how it's p- supposed to be pronounced, but honestly, I don't really care. Um, so Veskipa uses a basically a patented version of one of the two known active molecules in fish oil that's maybe good for us, and that's it. Like, that's it. But the people at Veskipa really want you to take Veskipa and not fish oil and certainly not just eat fish, right? And they have this amazing, um, this amazing table chart. I don't know, infographic. Let's go with infographic on their website about why Veskipa is much better than fish oil supplements. And I go through the analysis of this, and like it's insane. But one of the things they say is fish oil supplements. What's wrong with it? Oh well, obviously, also look, the fish smells stinky, stinky Whew. fish, right? Um. But the third bullet point down is fish oil supplements not intended or approved to treat heart disease. So what I read that as is, it can't possibly be medicine. And if it's not medicine, it can't possibly be used to treat a problem you might have unless it was created by people who are calling it medicine. And the only people who would do that have a profit motive. So basically, you can be sure that unless the thing that you are taking doesn't make a profit for someone, it's probably not good for you. And you should find the thing that makes money for someone else. Yeah. And it's the same thing here, right? To, to go back to, to the psilocybin and whatever... Whatever ingredient, whatever molecule they find, or six molecules, or, you know, three classes of molecules, each of which has six um, possible molecular forms in it, they are then going to say, that's the thing you want, and that's the only thing, because it's safe, because we can titrate it for you, as opposed to sitting on a beach, in a park, in your lovely living room that you have surrounded yourself with all that you love, and saying, I'm going to take a little bit, I'm going to take a lot, and you know what? I don't know exactly how much, but I've been very careful. I know that these are the species that they say they are. And let's see, like, that's part of what that's part of what the trip is about is not knowing exactly. Even if you measure it on a scale, you still don't know exactly because caps and stems of different amounts and different mushrooms of different amounts. And that is part of the value is in not getting just the same exact dose every single time.
0: Yeah, it's. Yet one more example where something sacred is turned into a consumable. Yeah, you know and it's yeah. not that you don't consume mushrooms, yeah. but um, you do you consume them, but that's not what they're about. In fact, it's the worst part of the entire thing is the consuming of the mushrooms. So it's
1: terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally. it
0: is. It's, yeah, it's, it's very yeah. unpleasant. And you know I, I I don't think I would fix that if I could. right I think the point is actually, you know, it's not supposed to be a pill you can pop. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's something else. It's something that, you know, ancestors going back innumerable generations have confronted the unpleasantness. And frankly, you know, the risk. I mean, think think about the comparison here. You've got an industry which manifestly does not give a shit about poisoning you. Okay. This is an industry that poisons people on the regular every day of the week. They're poisoning people and not caring. Mm -hmm. Right. They are gonna give you a pill that is going to make it impossible for the detectors that you're being poisoned to go off. Mm -hmm. Right? It's gonna be encapsulated just so I mean, have you ever had Tylenol stick in your throat Mm. so that it melts? Have you ever so terrible? There is nothing more bitter in the universe. It is the most bitter substance in the world. And yeah, of that's course, telling you something. It is. That's the thing. And, and you know, we've talked about this sometimes. In the forest, yes, there are things you should not eat. And there are things you can eat. And one way to tell, you take the red berry off the bush, you put it on your tongue, and if it's the least bit bitter, you don't consume the damn thing. That mm-hmm. bitterness is your way of knowing that, that your body regards this as a hazard. Mm-hmm. Tylenol is incredibly bitter but you don't know that because you swallow it in such a way that by the time it starts doing its thing it's long past your ability to detect bitterness Mm -hmm. and anyway my point about the mushrooms is your ability to safely ingest psilocybin mushrooms is downstream of wisdom about which mushrooms are edible which mushrooms are poisonous and which ones are edible but have this cognitive effect, right? So do you prefer to have an industry that poisons people every day or do you prefer to have the wisdom of people who've been figuring out how to thread that needle and provide you this cognitive experience without poisoning you, mm-hmm. right? Frankly, I'd rather go with that latter category. I don't trust pharma to, to deal with my... Mushrooms at all? I, I really don't. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: No. So it's the fix in? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The fix is in. Yeah.
1: That's really unfortunate, but there it is. Um. All right. All right. I think we did it. I think we did. So we will be back with episode two hundred six in twenty twenty four. That's mm-hmm. going to be mm, January third, maybe. Maybe. Yep. Um, next Wednesday, six days from now. And before that. Uh, please join us on Locals for our private Q and A this Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you can ask questions right now. Um, there's a there's a link there on Locals. And uh, what else? Um, I I don't I hesitate a little bit to invoke our store right after the like peak consumer season, right? But mm-hmm. um, if you're still looking for stuff, there's lots of cool stuff at the store. And uh, you'll probably buy more things at some point, so you know, consider going there, get some Jake's micro pizza merch and you know, never have to wear a mask again. Actually, we can't promise that.
0: Well <laughs> But we can arm you to we can deliver that you. gift to yourself.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, Epic Tabby.
0: Oh, hell yeah. All
1: sorts of good stuff. We came home to our Epic Tabby yesterday and yeah. he's just a delight. He is a delight. Yeah. As is our people wolf lying oh, yes. there collapsed on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Anything else to say before we finish up? I don't think so. All right. Well, you got something, to no, say? whispering now. I don't know why we're Okay. <laughs> Until we see you next time, be good to the ones you love, eat good food, and get outside.
0: Be well, everyone.